know.com clarity about reality alhamdulillah alhamdulillah wa kafa was salatu was salam ala man la nabiyya ba'da wa ba'd today what i want to speak about inshallah are five important events that have occurred from the 10th of rabi'ul awwal to the 10th of Rabi'ul Akhir, this corresponds to the month of January. The first of these is the expansion of Israel and the possible absorption of Lebanon and its complete swallowing of the Golan Heights. The children of Israel, since they have been in the earth, back in the Middle East, after a 2,000-year exile, Allah the Exalted fulfilled the Hadith and the collection of Tabarani, in which the Prophet Muhammad wasallam said, one of the signs of the end of time is the children of Israel returning to the land of Sham. This has occurred in a startling fashion. The children of Israel, according to the Gregorian calendar, returned in May of 1948 with their first autonomous government in 2,000 years. They have won every war since then, 1948, 1956, 1958, 1967, 1973, and all subsequent wars since. Some of the victories have been lackluster, but nonetheless, they have remained victorious. The 220 million Arab neighbors around them have been completely ineffective and effete in terms of being able to lift them from the earth. Part of the reason for this is prophetic. But another reason for it is also tactical. The prophetic reason for this is that you, if the children of Israel were to be up and lifted out of the land of Sham, which composes Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Palestine, and today's Israel, if they were to be lifted out of the land of Sham, then Nabiuna Isa alayhi salam, the Messiah, would have nothing to return to. The Mahdi would have nowhere to return to. The false Messiah would have nowhere to come to, as well as to make his political decisions. All of these things would not be able to come to pass. So irrespective of whatever charter that Hezbollah may have or Hamas may have, until the final prophecies of the eschaton are fulfilled, they will not, cannot, lift the children of Israel from the earth. This is something prophetic. Now, the children of Israel, as they are expanding, they are, as a practice, taking over new areas, creating pasture lands, and then building settlement colonies to manage those pasture lands. And by doing this, 
you create a civilian base to look over land that you would normally spend time having troops that you have to pay watching over it. So instead of having to pay soldiers and possibly taking excessive amounts of money out of your military expenditure package, you instead create pasture lands or you create cultivated fields and then you place therein citizens who are eager to move into a new spacious area. Many of those new citizens moving into that area will be pioneers in the sense that they will be using the food that has been planted and other things to sustain themselves, which means less of an expenditure on the government. They will be given gun licenses and so on and so forth and be able to defend themselves. So the children of Israel, Israel as a state is expanding. It's expanding northward to the point to where really Lebanon has no government. From 1982, Lebanon is really nothing more than a phantom state. And the children of Israel have complete air dominance, land supremacy, and the ability to run water from Lebanon or above Lebanon or around Lebanon to the areas that they need to get to in order to sustain themselves as a country. Lebanon is a phantom state. And in all intents and purposes, it is only ceremonially present other than the actual people that make up the composition of that land. But as a government, as an independent jurisdiction, they are no more. The Golan Heights, which is that short, stubby section that the children of Israel wrenched away from the country of Syria during uh, their many confrontations, that area as well if it has not been completely absorbed, has certainly been subsumed into what we know as greater Israel. One cannot merely glide or stride into that area because it is now off limits and considered part of Israel, although an extended part, but part of greater Israel, which is part of the greater Israel project. As for going south, one can look at Israel and see that they are in the process of absorbing the area of Gaza. And the Egyptians aren't powerless to do anything, but the Egyptians already have diplomacy in place, because you must remember that uh, Muhammad Ahmed Anwar al-Sadat, before he was assassinated in night, on, the 5th, on, on the 6th of October 1981, before that time, he had made an agreement a diplomatic agreement in 1977. Now, we do not have the full details of that agreement. But since that time, Egypt has been in a state of relative diplomatic peace and military peace with the state of Israel. The same thing holds for Jordan, which is also at peace. The Saud government has never been at war with the children of Israel because of previous agreements that have been signed. So we have Egypt, one, Jordan, two, and the Saud Kingdom, three, three Arab countries that have no intent of sending any troops against the children of Israel. They have no long-term intention of doing that, and the diplomatic talks that they have are based around certain economic agreements, 
uh, people might not know if they're Egyptians or if they're in within the Saud kingdom that the oranges and some of the produce that they are receiving have come from Israel. The mobile phone technology and much of the much of the mobile phone technology and the really hyper advances in computer technology have come from Israel. And so it's put them in a quandary because there are people who state that they want to cut diplomatic ties or put greater pressure on Israel. But if that was to be done, that would pretty much cripple, hobble, and hamstring not only the economies of these governments that have quiet agreements with Israel, but it would actually damage the people who are within these societies saying they want to boycott. Would they give up their Facebook and their internet and their phone, which the broadband and connective cables and everything else are primarily ran by the most technological power in that region, which is Israel. So I don't see a long-term solution to that. Or excuse me, I don't see a short-term solution to that. Rather, it's a long-term solution because even in the case of the Palestinians, the gas and the electricity, much of this is coming from Israel. A lot of the pharmaceuticals are not coming from Europe. They are coming from Israel. The telecommunications, which is why the Israelis are able to shut off the telephones and shut off the supply, and they're able to tell them 15 minutes beforehand in phone calls, we're going to be doing a bombing raid on this area because they control every aspect of the telecommunications as well as pharmaceutical industry. So really, to break free from what would be defined as the Israeli occupation, one would have to transform things dynamically and and start a new paradigm. And I don't see that in the short term coming to pass. The second is the Kurdish fighters against Daesh. Now, the Kurdish fighters against Daesh have distinguished themselves dramatically by being good, hearty fighters, as well as the fact that they have recovered 90% of Qubani in Syria. Now, someone could say, well, the people that are involved in this fighting, these Kurds, what do they want? What well, must be remembered that the vast majority of the Kurds are Muslims that belong to Muslim Orthodoxy, so they are Sunnis, right? So in Arabic, this would be Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And number two, they're Shafi'i and they're Madhab, the great majority of them. And this has been the case for 900 years and more. Daesh is a revivification of the books of Kitab al-Tawheed and Kashf al-Shubad al-Tawheed and Mufid al-Mustafid fi Kufri man tarak al-Tawheed and other texts by Muhammad Abdul Wahab and Salafiyah. And they are fighting. I remember a criticism that someone leveled against uh, the Syrian situation regarding the Kurdish women, saying, well, some of them aren't even wearing hijab. Some of these ladies, they're not even wearing hijab. So how are they going to wrest the victory against Daesh, which appear externally to be better Muslims? Well, here's something that you need to understand. That a s- sinful Sunnis 
a pack of sinful Sunnis are greater and better in the sight of Allah than cyborg cultists that walk in lockstep like automatons. Someone could say, well, how would you know that for sure? You're just stating your own opinion. But it goes back to a statement of Ali ibn Abi Talib where he said, The polluted jama'ah is better than the pure sect. Now he said this statement in regards to the fact that the Khawarij, who he had to deal with in his time, which we're now dealing with in our time under the name of Salafiyah, he said that the Khawarij had said to him, well, you have people in your army that, and they listed a number of sins that they have, and some of them have blameworthy attributes. But Ali's response was that the polluted jama'ah is better than the pure sect. Now, what are some wisdoms we can get from that? Well, firstly, their theology is correct. So in the sight of Allah, they are saved. Number two, the differences that we see are not always the result of sin. Sometimes the differences that we see are the result of differences in understanding, in fiqh, and other areas. So it may be that differences that you see are not proof that there is something seriously wrong. It's actually a proof that there's great dynamism among those people. Number three is people are in all different levels among the Muslims in terms of their Islam. There are different people at different levels in their Islam. So in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were people that were Muslims that committed fornication. There are people that were Muslims that drank. And if you look at those Muslims in that time period, the difference between those Muslims and some of the Muslims today is those Muslims were the first to admit their sins and, and repented regularly and strove to fight against the sins that they had within them. And their theology was correct. Muslims today, in some numbers, have theological issues and can't understand why they're not receiving the blessings they should, but their theology is wrong. And number two, they will not admit their sin. They, they refuse to accept any responsibility for any wrong actions that they do. And because of that, Allah punishes them until they turn to him in repentance. So the victories that the Kurds have are difficult for some Muslims to understand because Daesh have the bushier beards and the bigger clothes and... Um, they appear to be following this sort of husk of Islam that they've constructed. But in reality, it's not at all like that. Islam is not just the, just the external aspect, the husk. There's also the, the marrow, the middle, which is just as important, in fact, more important, because if you're doing all these extra actions and your theology is wrong, then it is of little consequence that you're getting up every night doing tahajjud because it's invalid anyway. So these are matters that we need to understand in perspective. The next is that China's progress has been slowed in Africa. For those, for those people that might not be aware, the Chinese, once they were able to cross the hurdle regarding economic problems that they had been having 
and start to transform themselves into a powerhouse, one of their first economic allies was the continent of Africa. And they have been building and planting crops and cultivating and hiring staff and building mines for the uh, excavation of rubies and agate and copper and gold and silver and all these other things. They have been extremely busy. And they've not only, not only have they been, which is different to the colonists, is that the Chinese are actually paying for the natural resources that they're removing. They're actually paying for them. And number two, they're actually marrying into the people of Africa. They're marrying into them. They're, they're taking wives from the women that are on that continent, or their women are taking men. Not by force, not through rape, but through the situation of coming in as traders and merchants. And the natural progression of things is that there will be intermarriage that occurs. And to be such a homogenous people, it's very interesting to see the Japanese take on this heterogeneous trait of just intermingling. When for the past 5,000 years, the Chinese have been very aggressively aware of themselves and their feeling the necessity to preserve their homogeneous character. But not all of them have that understanding. Now, their progress has been slightly retarded because of two reasons. Number one, the Chinese for quite a number of years, some say half a decade, have been intentionally devaluing their currency in order to be much more competitive on the economic market. So they have not acknowledged inflation. They've been trading with their own currency instead of using the dollar as their backup and base. So what that's done is it's given them a jackknife advantage when it comes to economics, and they've suffered very little during the economic slowdown. In fact, they loaned the United States extra money during the 2008 crash. They have been touched very little. They lost 1%, which is still dramatic in terms of economics. But in the overall scope and scheme of things, long term, that is not enough to cripple them. They're, they are still growing, and they're growing at a stable rate. It's not meteoric in which it's boom and bust. It is a stable, slow, gradual, structured growth. And as they are growing gradually and in a stable fashion. They're also building infrastructure. So when the economy eventually does stabilize and slows in its growth, they'll have infrastructure in place to be able to deal with that and not have a sudden bust where they have legions of foreign workers that they can't do anything with. Their progress has been retarded <clears throat> by the United States. Their greatest nemesis, who has been involved in backdoor policies against the Chinese since they first saw the Chinese as a willing adversary. You must remember that the Chinese and the United States have been at war with each other, but they've been proxy wars behind curtains. The Korean War, the United States felt that it might 
take on Korea and make it an outpost. The Koreans fought back. The Chinese agreed to supply them with the necessary weaponry to stage a strong resistance to the United States, which they did, and they handed the United States its very first loss on the battlefield which was a win for the Koreans, but also a win for the Chinese. In Vietnam, the Chinese were again behind the curtain and moving the weaponry and other things. And it wound up being a victory for the Kore- for the Vietnamese people and for the Cambodian people who would later uh, be involved in some smaller degree in their own uh, internal struggles and difficulties. They won, but also China won. So really what we're seeing currently has been going on since the 50s, this undeclared war. The United States brought a court case against China regarding precious metals that they are removing from Africa. And it was able to successfully lobby this case. The Chinese have been slowed for the meantime, but not for long, because they are resourceful. They are sharp. They are fast. And they are the future. You may wonder why you're starting to see large amounts of Arabs or Africans going to Beijing to study Chinese. You may wonder why you're seeing Chinese people flying out to Latin America to study Spanish and Latin Americans flying to China because everyone knows the direction this is headed except for Babylon or New Babylon, which is the United States. Everyone knows what's going on, except for New Babylon. The next two powers in order of rank are going to be China and Latin America. And they are going to return the favor regarding language supremacy. If you do not know Spanish, if you do not know Chinese, whether it's Mandarin or Cantonese or whatever they may choose as their language of hegemony. If you do not know that, you are going to starve economically. They're already preparing themselves. Most of the other businessmen and businesswomen are already making the necessary adjustments. The Americans are trying to stave off the inexorable march of history that nations rise and fall and collapse into obscurity and occupy the pages of our history books, leaving behind a few monuments in many cases in which we can realize that they were there. But the people that built that empire no longer occupy the landmass to which those monuments belong. The United States is headed towards a similar fate, not based upon anyone's hope or anyone's belligerence, but because of a historical fact. 
I advise those that are intelligent and know that they forget about anything else in terms of time-wasting education and start to look at studying Spanish, Latin American Spanish. Latin American Spanish, from Mexico all the way down to Chile. Latin American Spanish. And or Chinese. If you do not, you have no one to blame for the coming age in which you shall starve. The fourth point is the Church of England has ordained Libby Lane as its first female bishop. This situation is the final is the final deadly dose of medication delivered to the twitching corpse of the Church of England. The Anglican Church, which is itself a hybrid, it is neither Catholic nor truly Protestant, and throughout history swung towards the direction of whichever king or queen ruled. It is now in a process of implosion. The only remnants left of the Anglican Church that are trying to maintain some form of biblical Christianity are Episcopalians, as they're known in the United States, or what are known as your high church Anglicans. But your high church Anglicans in increasing numbers are converting to the Roman rite of the Catholic Church or to Eastern Orthodoxy. The Church of England, one of the great reasons why people have abandoned it is because, irrespective of whether people agree with it or not, if you stand for something, then people are able to gauge that you have principles. The Church of England, if the slightest pressure is applied, it buckles. And because of this buckling, because of this desire to appease the Church of England thinking that by making these concessions by compromising by capitulating by genuflecting to modern culture by doing so and by discarding time-honored principles behind their back that their congregations will somehow swell in number and there will be hordes of uh, attendees for the services on Sunday and during other festive seasons. But that's actually not happened. In fact, if anything, it's increased the speed of the decomposition of the corpse that is the Church of England. It is a lesson for a Muslim that's looking at this to see that compromise will not help you. That in time-honored principles, you must adhere to these. If you do not, you have no one but yourself to blame. And then we have another issue to do with China. China is set to permit the sale of prescription drugs online. Now, this is a huge huge coup de grace if the Chinese are able to sort of slip this across the finish line. 
Because now what you will have done is completely leveled the playing field to where people who normally in continents such as Africa or Latin America cannot access life-saving medication. We're not saying that all prescription drugs are miracle drugs, but there are some that can deliver results. People who are deprived of it because of poverty or other things might be able to obtain medication that might normally be out of their sight because there are private institutions that they can't afford to go to or they are far away. And merely by the swipe of their phone, the click of their cursor, or any other use of modern technology, they will be able within days or weeks at the most, to obtain prescription drugs online. Now this has, that aspect of it, I believe, is positive. But there is also another side to this. And the other side is, with the ability to do this, you could possibly also create prescription drug gangs. Where people who obtain these will dole them out in the same way that crack dealers from the 1980s, the heroin dealers, which are now experiencing a boost, or people involved in methamphetamines or other things have been doing. And then you will have addictions to where you'll have an unknown number of people who are addicted to prescription drugs that there is no record of because they ordered them online. And if it is preg- if it's women that are pregnant, now you will have children addicted. You'll have people who think that they should be taking Xanax and they shouldn't be and they'll take it and die. People that should be taking Zoloft and actually are taking Thorzine because as one of the things that's also happened is people now go online to diagnose themselves. So they'll say, I think I have this symptom, and I I think I have these following qualities. So based upon this, I believe that I need, from what I've been told on the health monitor, I believe that I need Thorzine. When in actuality, it's not Thorzine they need. It's actually Xanax, or it's Zoloft, or it's any number of these different things. So there's a possible danger of a large segment of the globe being addicted to prescription drugs and those that might want to help them or assist them being overwhelmed, inundated, drenched by all these different people that are going to be coming forward with addictions and they have no way of tracing back the original origin of how they became addicted or what happened because of the fact that those people bought drugs by themselves and before anything could be done, they've gotten addicted. I strongly advise you, uh, those who are parents, to make sure to protect yourselves and your children from things like this that could occur because for every good invention, there are also side effects. And you have to make sure that you protect yourself and your children from things that could potentially go very, very wrong. In closing... I would say that our knowledge of what's going on in the world should definitely strike you to say, 
What's coming next month if January is like this? We could possibly be starting a new arms race with Russia. So it's at this time we have to think intelligently and prepare for a world that is changing. I say, أقول قبلي هذا أستغفر الله لي ولكم أستغفر الله إن الله غفور رحيم رحيم الرحيمين. No clarity about reality. See more at no.com.